0: The transfer portal is off and popping, and we have a rousing start to the early sign in period with Dylan Rayola flipping his commitment. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kid folk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we got to talk about some transfer portal news. We also got to get into the early sign-in period and my top recruits, my favorite recruits going into this 2024 early sign-in period. But we got to start with the biggest news of the day, which dropped right before we started taping on Monday, that Dylan Rayola has decided to flip his commitment from Georgia to Nebraska. This is seismic news, mostly in Lincoln, Nebraska, but also in the 24 recruiting class, as this is the number two ranked quarterback and number one to many, including me. Quarterback in the 2024 class, deciding that he's not going to play for a team that won the last two national championships, but going to go to a program That has been down basically since you joined the Big Ten. It's coming off a five and seven season. And yet this commitment, this flip commitment, feels like the biggest win of the Matt Rule era so far. And I think that's important to state because we're talking about a Nebraska program that was really having to lean on what the Rayola name means at Nebraska more than the name Nebraska means for college football, which is a wild thought for those of us that remember the 90s or even the 80s, that really do remember Mike Rozier, right? Really do remember Eric Crouch to make some reference to Dylan Rayola's poem, but also remember Tommy Frazier and Amon Green and just what those 90s Nebraska teams were about, specifically the 95 team, which is ridiculous. And yet, we're talking about Rayola being the thing that brings Dylan back to Lincoln. He grew up an Huskers fan. His father, Donovan, or excuse me, Donovan, Dominic, not Donovan. Donovan is his uncle. Dominic played center, at nebraska was a remington award winner and an all-american on those really great nebraska teams his uncle donovan is the offensive line coach at nebraska and tellingly matt rule chose to keep him off of the staff that came in before so this guy was coaching for scott Frost. he looked around and said oh your last name is rayola i actually want that dude to play quarterback maybe i should probably keep you around now this is not to say that Dominic Rayola, uh, Donovan Rayola, my goodness, is not a great offensive line coach because he is. But if you are one Matt Rule, you are putting all your chips into the Dylan Rayola basket, not just because he's one of the better players in this particular class, but because you were absolutely abysmal and trash at quarterback in 2023. As a matter of fact, that was the glaring weakness on an otherwise decent Nebraska football team. It was one-dimensional at a time when every other good program prides itself on being multiple, both offensively and defensively. And yet, Nebraska could not throw the football. As a matter of fact, they started three different quarterbacks, including Jeff Sims, Heinrich Harburg, and Chuba Purdy. And none of those dudes managed to complete more than 59.6% of their passes. And they combined to throw just 10 TDs in 12 games and 16 INTs in the same amount. It gets worse. The leading rusher at Nebraska was a quarterback who was third on the depth chart. All three of the quarterbacks are among the top six rushers on the team and nobody rushed for more than 477 yards all season yet. And still Nebraska managed to put itself into position to be bowl eligible for the first time since 2016 and squandered all three opportunities. It is a team that could not win when the stakes had never been higher for them in the last seven years, right? And yet you're looking at a guy like Dylan Rayola, who is a prototypical large athletic passer who can throw football 70 yards off a crow hop, who is accurate with the ball and has been really great wherever he has played high school football, both in Arizona and across the country at Buford high school in Georgia. This is also coming off of him flipping his commitment from Ohio state to Georgia last May and writing the word home across, you know, his social media where he was announcing himself to be a Georgia bulldog. I, many people would tell you, Nebraska was not out of the sweepstakes until Dylan Rayola decided to sign with anybody else. And That was all that Matt Rowell needed to do. He just needed to get that dude back to Lincoln, get him around this group of people that really love his last name, really love what his family has done with the program and for the program, and a guy that has grown up wearing the Huskers colors and should be able to remember Nebraska when it was not that bad. Matter of fact, arguably one of the better teams in the Big 12 when you had Ndamukong Sue playing defensive tackle, uh, really going after that Texas squad that was pretty damn good as Nebraska was transitioning out of the big 12 into the big 10. But this is also a larger point from the historical aspects of what Nebraska has been. This is just the first five star that they have signed or will have signed committed since 2011. And they've only had three in the recruiting's ranking era, which is also right about the time that we stopped talking about Nebraska being one of the better teams in college football. And we started talking about Nebraska, being somehow out of place in the Big Ten because since joining, they haven't looked great. As a matter of fact, I would even argue that it's gotten worse for Nebraska as it's gotten better for some other programs that we have really thought to be bad. For instance, Rutgers has gone bowling twice as often as Nebraska in the last three years. There are those of us of a certain age who would absolutely call me a liar Absolutely, tell me no. That's there's no way that's true. It's Rutgers, and that's Nebraska. Yeah, dog. That's how it has been for Nebraska. Now it's not to throw shade at Rutgers, who is doing outstanding right with Greg Schiano making his second return there. But the point is taken there. You don't expect to live in a world where Rutgers is bowling and Nebraska is not, and yet that's where we are. So Dylan Rayola is not only a high-profile recruit committed to an otherwise bad football program, but he gives Nebraska reason to be optimistic. In the new Big Ten in 2024, that is not a small thing. And that is worth all the NIL bags that are going to come his way. Because in 2024, it's not just that you still have to try to compete with Ohio State, with Michigan, with Penn State, with Iowa. It's that you also now have to compete with UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington. What were you going to do in this period where we've even seen Purdue play for a Big Ten championship. We have seen Northwestern play for a Big Ten championship, and yet the mighty Nebraska can't even get up off the mat. And that is what Dylan Rayola may allow. He has made their quarterback position not only one that we can call credible, but make them a sort of a threat, kind of a threat, maybe a team that you don't get to overlook going into this 2024 season. And I'm empathetic. I'm sympathetic. I'm an Oklahoma guy, which means that I know in my bones what it was like to fear nebraska right i understand that and you know what i miss it just like i miss arkansas being good i think college football is a lot more fun when nebraska is good because there is nothing like being the pro team in a state that ain't got a protein okay i understand that in oklahoma we got the oklahoma city thunder but the protein is the oklahoma sooners in nebraska they don't even have to deal with any of that the protein is in Lincoln. And you know, good gracious, I'm so glad that the volleyball team steps up for them. And, you know, they, they lost a heartbreaker to Texas in the Volleyball National Championship. But I shudder to think what Nebraska would be like if they are not winning at something. And to be able to do what they have done on the volleyball side in the Big Ten, you got to believe that the football program feels kind of some some level of, well, embarrassment? Because, yeah, the volleyball program is having to carry you. Right At a time when you're used to the football program having to carry, you've had donors have to buy out parts of the stadium so you can keep your sellout streak going because ain't nobody showing up to see you get you know beat up on Fordham or lose to Georgia Southern. That's just what it's been. I was in Lincoln when Oklahoma went out there and gave them the what for and the how now just last year. I really wanted Nebraska to win somebody, but we thought it was going to be one of these guys out of the transfer portal we'll talk about here in a little bit, but As the weekend unfolded, it unfolded exactly the way that it needed to for a guy like Dylan Rayola to look around, to take stock, to see what his family thought, and to make this decision to go big red instead of going all in on those dogs. I could not be more happy or happier, I should say, for Nebraska fans who get to celebrate this and get to celebrate this before Christmas. And you're going to get this guy on campus in January and there's nobody there really to compete for with him for the job. So he also gets to walk into a situation where we all but expect him to start right away. And we do this because, yeah, man, that's what freshmen, especially five stars and top 50 quarterback recruits, expect now. As a matter of fact, get into this over and over again as we talk. Nearly half of the 2022 top 50 quarterback recruits have already transferred. So it stands to reason that if he did not play right away, he might go into the portal too. And if you're a guy that's played in three different high school offenses at three different high schools in three years in two different states that are separated by an entire nation, by the lower 48, by 3,000 miles, you might not be so in on the program that ain't deciding to play you, right? So I think that everybody's more or less getting what they want here. Georgia is not going to – its feelings are not hurt here. Because Georgia's not a football program that tends to believe that the quarterback is going to make or break their national championship aspirations. As a matter of fact, far from it. They went back-to-back with Stetson Bennett as starting quarterback. And I understand that Georgia Bulldogs feel some kind of way about Stetson Bennett. But to the rest of us, that's a dude that walked on that you told to kick rocks and who had an offer to Louisiana before Kirby Smart said, hey, you want to come back? That's a dude that y'all got to throw out there instead of JT Daniels. That's a dude who won you a national championship so that we don't thumb our nose at. You had Justin Fields and you did this? No, that's just what Georgia has been about. And given what Carson Beck has meant to that program and him announcing his return mere hours before Dylan Rayola flipped his commit, yeah, I think all of this comes into play. And I think this is going to be a fascinating story to see unfold as the Big Ten continues to show us what it is actually made of in this new era of the Power Two. And I, for one, am excited. I, I really am. I like the quarterback play that is already in the Big Ten. I think it's going to get better. I think Chip Kelly and Lincoln Riley and Kalen DeBoer and Dan Landon are all going to do great things, like Dylan Gabriel's committed to go to Oregon. Will Rogers committed to go to Washington. As a matter of fact, we're going to get into those things a little bit later on, but again, hammer it home. This you cannot, you cannot overstate what a big deal it is for a talent of Dylan Rayola. At the position of most importance on a football field, going to a program like 5-7 and Nebraska is for the sport, for the Big Ten, and for the future of what we come to know of as Big Ten football. So let's go from talking about Dylan Rayola to some other top 2024 recruits. So these are my top recruits in the 2024 class. Mostly picking out some guys you know, a few that perhaps you don't, that I'll educate you on. We're going to go start from number five. We're going to work our way up to number one here. At number five, I have Alabama quarterback commit Julian saying, I'm watching this dude, and he's just an operator, right? I really enjoy watching him move around and do the improv thing, not unlike Baker Mayfield coming out of Carlsbad in California. I'm also here for all the Dragon Ball Z references because I am a black man of a certain age. So when you say saying, I don't immediately think what you're saying. I think Planet Vegeta. I think Goku. I think Gohan, although Goku is an idiot, I'm all Vegeta, but that's just me. I can't wait to see what Alabama fans do with any of this because I'm not sure how many DBZ fans y'all got, but I can tell you this. Y'all got a lot of DBZ fans that are playing on that team, and they are going to get behind a dude whose last name is Saiyan playing the quarterback, especially if he turns out to be outstanding. Can't wait. For the Julian saying experience because I'm telling you it's going to be Kamea Kamea it's going to be come ha May ha ha and we're going to be doing this all over again you know what I'm saying like let his girlfriend be Boma and we off and running at number four I got Oregon edge commit Elijah rushing this was a huge win for Oregon because he was expected to go to Arizona his father had played at Florida cruise rushing was outstanding he's got really great length he's six foot six is going to grow onto this frame. I think that Tosh LaPoy and Dan Lanning can turn him into yet another one of those outstanding edge rushers that they've been able to field at Oregon, joining guys like Mateo Unglale and uh, Brandon Porless uh, among others, or Dorless, excuse me, Porless, Brandon Dorless among, among others. I'm excited to see what he can do in this new Big Ten because mem- remember, you get Ohio State, Oregon next year, too. That's going to be two battles of great uh, defensive lines by defensive line coaches, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, number three, I got Oklahoma defensive line commit, David Stone. This one feels especially cool. not like the Dylan Rayola commitment because David Stone grew up in Oklahoma City and went to high school first couple of years at Dell City. Gerald McCoy grew up in Oklahoma City and went to high school at Dell City. Committed to Brent Venables. David Stone committed to Brent Venables. I mean, you're also talking about a Gerald McCoy who was a five-star and the highest-rated defensive tackle commit to Oklahoma since, right, is David Stone. I, I love the symmetry here, and I also love his game. Like, that dude is damn near 300 pounds, moving around like he's 230. He's going to grow even more into his frame. He's played the last couple of years at IMG Academy without standing there, but being able to basically come home and be for Oklahoma, presumably what GK McCoy was at Oklahoma, that's the way you draw it up, man. I mean, th- that is how you start your feature story. When you go to write it at foxsports.com, now that I'm pitching my own stories, maybe I need to go out there and try to do that because this is really, really cool because Oklahoma is still a place where we love our high school football, and I'm very loud about the dudes from this state, particularly from Tulsa, but from the state that go out and do stuff, you know what I'm saying? Dax Hill at Cincinnati, you know, my guy Trey Brown at Seattle, I can keep going here, right? Josh Proctor at Ohio State. To get this kind of a talent to go to IMG Academy and then come back to Oklahoma to play at a position of absolute need, because it's always a position of absolute need, no matter who you are in defensive tackle. Could not be more thrilled to have David Stone as an Oklahoma Sooner and one of my three top players in this 2024 class. Number two, I got Ohio State quarterback commit Aaron Nolan, my favorite quarterback commit. In this entire class, we had him here on the show last summer. Can throw a football over the mountains, not unlike Uncle Rico. Is outstanding at operating, wins a bunch of games, can throw for a ton of yards. He's going to join some teammates up at Ohio State, and I think he's going to be their quarterback of the future, not 2024. I think that's going to be up to Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholds. We'll see if and when Ryan Day goes into the transfer portal and what he might pull out. But 2025, 2026, I think that's when we get to see Air Nolan do his thing excited to see how he develops under what I think is one of the great offensive play callers in our sport and developers of quarterbacks in our sport in Ryan day. And at number one, Ohio State wide receiver commit Jeremiah Smith. I, it's difficult to quantify just what talent evaluators think about this guy because it's to the moon. Like they could not be more thrilled about Jeremiah Smith. And I see it on the film. He's a catch-point bully. If the ball is in the air and you're smaller, he's going to make you feel smaller. He's going to use his frame to get you up off of him. He is physical at the line of scrimmage. He runs post-routes like nine routes. He's really great at making these acrobatic catches that look simple for him. But us mere mortals, we can only hope, right? I look at him and I see part Odell Beckham Jr., especially down the field. Odell back at his day at LSU and even with the New York Giants when they had both his knees and Terrell Owens at the line of scrimmage. Like he is that physically strong. He is that physically impressive. He's super fast. He's not super quick, but if you got him running 40 yard sprints, he's probably going to outrun the dude next to you going into a program like Ohio State where Brian Hartline has been turning out first round draft picks like his job because it is his job. That's going to be fun to watch Jeremiah Smith joining the likes of an Omega Ibuka joining the lights of a Carnell Tate, Mylon Graham's also in this recruiting class. They continue to reload at that wide receiver position. You find a quarterback that is able to distribute the football. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Marvin Harrison Jr., but Marvin Harrison Jr. was supposed to be the uh, the next Jackson Smith and Jigba. The next Jackson Smith and Jigba, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. You get know what I'm saying here? Like, these dudes continue to build on themselves, and this has been outstanding to watch. So knowing that you have this sort of a talent, that he is rated as the number one player in the class at wide receiver and in the nation, going to a place like Ohio State, where all they do is turn out more superhumans at that position. I can't wait to see what he looks like, especially after Marvin Harrison Jr. just secured the first Politnikov Award for an Ohio State wide receiver since Terry Glenn in 1995. It is a program that has prided itself on running the football for the better part of, you know, 120 years. And then we get Ryan Day to come in there and be like, oh, so this is what throwing the football is like. We rather like this as well. Check out what C.J. Stroud has been able to do with the Houston Texans, let alone what he was at Ohio State. And frankly, what Kyle McCord was pretty damn good at Ohio State too. And that is a great way to get into the quarterback transport portal topics that have happened basically over the weekend. And even on Monday night late as we are taping, Dante Moore announced that he is committed to transfer to Oregon, where it becomes clear that Dylan Gabriel is slated to be the 2024 starter and Dante Moore is the heir apparent. This is also interesting as Ty Ty Thompson went into the transfer portal almost as soon as Dylan Gabriel committed to transfer to Oregon. And this is basically swapping one really talented player for another really talented player. But I also think that Dante Moore is a bit of a level up when you're talking about your backup quarterback position from Ty Thompson and give Dante Moore yet another year to develop. I thought he would, had the goods to play right away, and he did, but he had his growing pains. Perhaps with Will Stein as his offensive coordinator and getting to learn from a savvy vet like David Dylan Gabriel, he's going to develop into a better player and be ready for the Big Ten competition that he's going to face. I also think if you're Dan Lennon, it is really great to have a talent like Dante Moore on standby if anything should happen to Dylan Gabriel, because remember, Gabriel went out for some time last season at Oklahoma, and that left Oklahoma in a really bad way, basically getting beat 49-0 to zero by Texas because you didn't have a starting quarterback that Texas felt was credible, so they just came after you. Also, it feels like Will Howard to USC is real. As a matter of fact, there are lots of folks that expect that to get done sooner rather than later. We'll see. Uh, coming out of Kansas State, outstanding. Had Kansas State in a dogfight with Texas earlier this year. They up and lose that game, but Will Howard also came off the bench last year to lead Kansas State to a Big 12 championship at a time when it felt like it was Texas Christian and only Texas Christian that was going to win the Big 12 championship. Going into the portal, there were lots of folks that had him going to Miami. There are other folks that even had him going to Mississippi State. There are some that had him going to Florida State. It turns out, well... He likes the weather in Los Angeles, and as my my colleagues will tell you, hey, there's nothing wrong with the weather in Los Angeles. It's always nice out there. As a matter of fact, it rains out there, and they want to tell me about it, whereas I live in Oklahoma where it's cold, it's rainy, we get wind. You know what I'm saying? Weather's just weather out here. Out there, it's got one speed, sunny and nice, and it's going to be sunny and nice if Lincoln Riley can get the quarterback situation under control. I'm going to get to the Malachi Nelson part of that here in just a second, but let me go back to Kyle McCord at Ohio State for just a second. As he has tried, decided to commit to Syracuse, this was interesting. This is interesting on a number of uh, levels. Number one is Fran Brown coming out the gate, going to get dues. Like Fran Brown was playing, oh, playing. he was defensive back coach at Georgia, took the head coaching job at Syracuse, and proceeded to tell people, I'm here. I'm not going nowhere, okay? Okay. I ain't got to cash no more welfare checks. I ain't got to get no assistance no more. I'm good. So the money ain't even important. Syracuse being down the road and being home, that is important. When you're listening to Fran Brown, you believe him. You can understand why he was such a devastating recruiter in his time, both at Baylor and at Georgia and all over, right? And then you get him in front of a guy like Kyle McCord, and he said, hey, why don't you come back closer to home? Because my man, Jeff Nixon, as soon as the Giants is over with their season, he's going to come down here and he's going to run the offense. You remember, he ran the offense at Baylor. You know what kind of a man I am. We're putting the pieces together. And while there is no Marvin Harrison Jr. at Syracuse presently, there may not ever be one, right? I really enjoy this for Kyle McCord because he wanted to go to a place where he was going to start, where he had an opportunity to once more put some good tape on for NFL evaluators, give himself an opportunity to get drafted highly in the NFL draft. After basically failing by Ohio State standards at Ohio State, which is to go 11 and one, go 11 and one, make the Cotton Bowl—it's failure. Why? Because they lost to Michigan. I, I continue to get roused up about this because somebody got to lose the game. It can't always be Ohio State. It can't always be Michigan. And I understand losing three in a row. But hey, y'all won 10 out of the last 11. Yet this dude felt ran off because he threw 3,100 yards, 24 TDs, six INTs, and went 11 and one as the starter this season. Kyle McCord's a great football player. He's a five-star football player. I think he has an opportunity to be really great at Syracuse, and I don't blame Syracuse folks if they don't know how to act because I'm sure there's a Syracuse fan out there who was like, oh, we got got an Ohio State quarterback. We got a five-star. Played with Marvin Harrison Jr., both in high school and in college. But can he hoop? At least Greg Paulitz can hoop. Can he hoop? They're going to have to get used to this whole football thing because I understand that Orange ain't really been about it's football says Donovan McNabb. You know what I'm saying? But hey, look, maybe maybe you'll get on board. Maybe I just done, got to tell you that Greg Paul has threw more INTs than he threw TDs. Long live the Big Ten, dog. Or excuse me, Big Ten, the Big Ten. Uh, the Big East, excuse me, Big Ten. Long live the Big East because I I, I don't know that we're ever going to see a Greg Paulist situation ever again where a dude who's an outstanding basketball player gets to play quarterback at the collegiate level. I think CJ Stroud had it right when he told me this. He's like, look, All football players want to be basketball players. All basketball players want to be football players, and we all want to play baseball. I get that. Maybe Kyle McCord could go out for the basketball team to make these Syracuse Orange fans feel a little bit better about their five-star quarterback choosing to join their program after Garrett Schrader was their quarterback just last year. I really like this for Kyle McCord. I really like this for Syracuse. I don't know that to turn Syracuse into some sort of a world beater. I don't even know if they're going to challenge in the ACC, but they are certainly going to be fun. And it is a reason, once again, to believe in what Fran Brown is doing at Syracuse, if you haven't been paying attention. Also, Malik Murphy decided to enter the transfer portal. That is the backup quarterback at Texas and a guy who needed to come in when Quinn Ewers went down against BYU and against Houston and was really outstanding. It was really great, right? Played. I thought magnificently well against in in that Kansas state game. And he's got all the tools. Like you're seeing his size, you're seeing his ability. I like Malik Murphy. I've always liked Malik Murphy. And I think given an opportunity to grow into the position, he's going to be outstanding. What I found wild is he chose to go into the portal as his team is two, two wins away from a national championship. First national championship of Texas is 2005. And everybody knew what he could do. So he said, I had to go into the portal because I just want to play. And it hurt him because that means he's no longer part of the Texas team that is preparing to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game in a college football playoff against an undefeated Washington team. And I think he was very diplomatic in how much he enjoys that program, how much he enjoys his teammates. And shout out to Steve Sarkeesian, who I think handled this about as well as you can. Because you're also dealing with a Quinn Ewers who has not come out and said that he is returning to Texas, but also could enter the NFL draft. I understand people feel some kind of way about Arch Manning being there, but you would like to have Malik Murphy continue to be a part of your football team going into 2024. But I really do enjoy knowing that he's going to get an opportunity. Now, the places that I thought he would end up are not necessarily the places that he is looking to go, but... As that story unfolds, we'll continue to follow it. I'm, I wonder whether or not that's going to get resolved before Christmas. I would not be shocked to find out that goes deep into January as Malik Murphy is that sort of a talent. We got two other guys that also are that sort of talent. DJ Ui is still taking visits. Uh, Florida State seems to like him, but they're also waiting around to see what's going to happen with Cam Ward. Cam Ward's also looking at Miami, Florida State. Many people have Cam Ward as the top-rated transfer portal quarterback in this class. But that might be up for discussion because on Sunday afternoon, Malachi Nelson launched his name into the transfer portal. If that name sounds familiar, it's because it should. He was the number one overall recruit in the 2023 class, 2022 National Gatorade Player of the Year. His last season at Los Alamitos, he threw for just under 3,000 yards, 35 TDs, and four INTs. He's coming off of surgery to his non-throwing arm, but we all thought that that guy was going to be the heir apparent to Caleb Williams until Lincoln Riley kept pushing that one down the line. And that was, I think, the most telling part of the Malachi Nelson experience at USC because even Avery Johnson at Kansas State, yeah, they were always going to make that guy their heir apparent no matter what Will Howard was going to do. I'm sure Chris Kleiman would have loved to have kept Will Howard, but Avery Johnson was always going to be that guy. You're also looking at guys like Nico Iamaleva, who was the heir apparent at Tennessee. Everybody understood who was coming after Joe Milton. You're looking at other dudes like Aiden Childs who was the heir apparent to DJ Uwe Unglule and essentially uh, followed Jonathan Smith over to Michigan State. You keep going through that top 50 and you could see very clearly who believed in their understudy and who did not. And it was becoming clear that Lincoln Riley for whatever reason did not want to play Malachi Nelson in these garbage time parts of the schedule, but also wanted to get Caleb Williams every opportunity. I'm very curious to find out just how the Malachi Nelson recruiting experience goes in the portal, because as uh, my SJI homie, big homie, Antonio Morales, covers USC for The Athletic, he wrote this last year after talking with Malachi Nelson. There's only a few guys I would be okay sitting behind, and the best quarterback in the country is definitely one of them. Believing that Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the country, but perhaps looking at a Will Howard or a Miller Moss and going, well, I'm better than them. So I'm going to go somewhere else where somebody else thinks I'm better than them. I'm curious to see who believes that and how that recruiting unfolds, because this is the guy whose image was built around Los Angeles and built around USC, quite frankly. Whatever he decides to do from here. I think that's going to get upended unless you think that he's going to end up at UCLA. And I just, I don't see that given that Chip Kelly let Dante Moore walk and temperamentally feels like Malachi Nelson and Dante Moore. They got a lot of Caleb Williams in them. They believe that they are very good and they want you to treat them as if they are very good and go get what you're worth. Right. I think it's also clear that, you know, Nelson doesn't think that the guy on campus or arriving on campus is, you know, better and, made like an overdue book and checked out, but I think we're really looking at Lincoln Riley making a move that I didn't know Lincoln Riley had in him. A you're letting the number one recruit in the 2023 class walk B you're letting a five-star quarterback walk and C you're going to get a quarterback. We think in a guy like Will Howard who doesn't exactly fit the profile of what we've come to see Lincoln Riley quarterbacks look like. He's deaf running the football. Caleb Williams is deaf running the football, but in a different way. Well, it feels like Will Howard is a designed runner. Caleb Williams is out there just kind of playing football. The way that Kyler Murray was kind of out there playing football, the way that Baker Mayfield was kind of out there playing football. He's improving. The offense is very much in his hands. There's not a whole lot of point and click because that's not the way that Riley's developed his quarterbacks or his scheme. He wants the quarterback to go out there and make decisions, give him the play calls that make him feel confident and the plays that they can run well. You're also seeing guys like Mario Williams enter the transfer portal. But I don't know that Miller Moss is the answer here. And I'm saying that as USC is preparing to play the Holiday Bowl, looking like Miller Moss is going to be their starting quarterback. Remember that Caleb Williams was out there on one leg in the 47-24 loss to Utah. Rather than put Miller Moss in there. Okay? I, I think that's telling. I, I just do. So Millen Moss is fine being the backup at USC. That's great. There are worse places to be a backup quarterback. It's also worth pointing out that USC quarterbacks that have gone into the portal or have chosen to transfer ain't been all that great save Jackson Dart, right? And even Jackson Dart, you might say, did not reach or hasn't reached the potential of what we expect a national Gatorade player of the year to be. And yet, if Malachi Nelson had the same sort of experience as Jackson Dart, would we say that he had underperformed? Maybe, but that's because we believe that number one overall recruits ought to be Heisman contenders and not leaders of 10-win football programs that happen to lose to Alabama and Georgia and beat everybody else they played in the case of one Jackson Dart at Ole Miss. Fascinating story. We did not expect to see him enter the portal. I'm curious to see where he lands and what his suitors look like. But um, I, I, I think more than anything else, Lincoln Riley leaning into himself on this. Like, we've seen this... The last couple of weeks with some hires that Riley has made first, you know, he let go Alex Grinch, which we all knew had to happen. But then he goes across town to get Danton Lynn, right, a rising star in the profession, great defensive play caller. And then he adds Matt Entz from North Dakota State, who had won two national championships, who had All-Americans, who produced Trey Lance, who produced Jabril Cox, who's been 60 and 10 as a head coach to be his linebackers coach at SC. And now he's letting a guy like Malachi Nelson go into the portal and going, okay, I can, I, I, sayonara, I'll be okay. As he's preparing to embark on a new journey into the Big Ten. I mean, there's so many unknowns going into the 2024 season for everybody, let alone a program based in Southern California where it's 70 degrees and sunny and you're gonna have to play on the road to places like Ann Arbor, places like Madison. Places like Columbus, places like Minneapolis. These places are cold. That's what I'm saying. It's cold. Cold. Got to be able to run the football in the cold. Quarterback doesn't really matter that much in the cold. And yet, with a guy like Will Howard, you can run the football in the cold because that is a large human being. I've said this before. I probably need to say it again. Will Howard is as big as Cam Newton is. That is a large dude playing quarterback with a cannon for an arm. He's got all the tools. So maybe this is Lincoln Riley evolving his play scheme to fit what's going to happen in the Big Ten and perhaps what his defensive coordinator wants to run. Because it used to be, or it has been, Lincoln Riley wants to marry a defense with his offense. Maybe he has seen that his offense isn't worth a damn if the defense can't stop nobody. So maybe you build an offense that plays better complementary football to the defense. Again, fascinating to see how this goes, but I've been basically a part of the Lincoln Riley experience since he was... Offensive coordinator at Texas Tech going to East Carolina coming to Oklahoma. I I feel like I have grown into my job like that dude has grown into his more or less doing what we do at the same time. So I'm curious to see what this new era of Lincoln Riley football looks like, especially at a place like USC where he's coming off the worst season that he has had as a head coach moving and shaking going on. And we're going to continue to follow that we're going to talk a little bit more about some quarterbacks going to talk some more about just what Oklahoma and Texas are going to look like on Thursday when we come back to do the number one college football show but that is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show our number one college football show leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Torin Westfall. They make us better in the film room. Production assistant Kiara Santana puts the special in our special team. Social producer Davion Duncan makes sure the recruits and the rivals see the cake we bake. Chaz Boulay is sending in the signal. Senior producer Catherine Cordaggi sees the entire field from the booth. Lead producer Tyler Wojak calls the plays from the sideline. And the play snaps on my clap. We will see y'all on Thursday. Till then, stay low. Keep those feet driving. Dosis.